Do you know what absolutely just sends me into the stars? Tell me. <laughs> absolutely transported. <laughs> the soundtrack to this movie is unnecessarily good. I just want to get this out of the way right here, right now at the top. But I just want to say, I feel like you are very much a, mm, you're very much a Steph brand combo. <gasps> much in the way I'm very much a Mikey and Chunk combo. <laughs> And, but I feel like we both have some mouth to us. You know what I mean? Oh, of course we do. Of course. We have a podcast for crying out loud. <laughs> mouth one and mouth two. <laughs> Welcome back to and streaming where Goonies never say die. I'm Carrie. I'm Ross. And this week we are talking about the 1985 absolute banger classic, The Goonies. I love this movie. I would challenge anybody in a bar fight who said they did not like this movie. Absolutely, I know. If like, you did not like this movie, do you are you a human being? Wore this VHS tape out. Before we get started, don't forget, go follow us on Twitter at KickInStream. K-I-C-K-N-S-T-R-E-A-M. You can contact the show at KickingInStreamingPodcast at gmail.com. That's with an and, not an ampersand. And don't forget, folks, please be practicing the three R's. Rate, review, retweet. Rate, review, retweet, folks. We want everyone to come and join my little birthday month watch party. And don't forget, folks, we also do have a Patreon now. Oh, my God. In case you didn't forget, please give us your money. Yeah. Um, no. <laughs> guys for only five dollars a month you get access to all of our you know bonus content we got bonus episodes we got television coverage we got long form coverage we're doing that right now aren't we yeah we are deep into the haunting of hill house series on netflix flanagan stands right here so if you're interested (laughs) and we know you are please become a little (laughs) contributor at the five dollar level you'll be so glad that you did and guys if you want access to our full catalog of episodes because all right apple Podcasts, all right spotify You're only going to backlog so many. I get it. There's only so much data we can store. But go over to our Podbean page, guys. You can also get our custom RSS link, and you can play in any player of your choice. Yeah. It's a great vibe. It's a great vibe. Yes, absolutely. (laughs) All right. You ready to go looking for treasure? Oh, my God. This movie is so silly and timeless. This movie's a part of me. I know. I Remember the blockbuster times, you know. (laughs) This was always a selection. This and it and whatever else. The witches. Remember actually getting Goonies on VHS and we were like, fuck, yes. (laughs) (laughs) This is the greatest Christmas ever. Dad was literally like, I'm tired of renting it. I'm just buying it. Yeah. And we were like, oh my God. Steven Spielberg presents The Goonies, a Richard Donner film. Hey, Whoa, you guys realize what we could do? I don't want to go on any more of your crazy Goonie adventures. Meet Mikey. I gotta go faster. Brand. Andy. Shame, shame. No, I can't even look. Mouth. Oh, I gotcha. Now get out from behind her. You're ruining the pain. You're ruining my job. Stephanie. Data. Boy, Bango! Ow! 
the Goonies. They've stumbled onto a legend, but they're not alone. Chunk, I hope that was your stomach. No. That's it. Sounds like calm. Discover what they uncover. Secret caves. like that last prank about all those little creatures that multiply when you throw water on them. Take the oath. Join the adventure as Steven Spielberg presents The Goonies, a Richard Donner film. We're going to talk a little bit about why this is the classic that it is. I feel like the movie is a little muddled in places because we have basically two directors here. <laughs> Steven Spielberg presents a Richard Donner film. Uh-huh. Richard Donner is where most of the credit is due, but having the Spielberg name attached to this in the mid-80s wasn't the shabbiest thing, you know? I'm just picturing Steven Spielberg, like, hovering over Richard Donner, like, okay, do this. Okay, do that. Oh, no. Sean Astin has a great bit uh, in his book there and back again it's an autobiography there and back again about how like it was confusing a lot of the times to have them both on set because they'd both want things done different ways and you're like who am I listening to no they were closer with Donner so like they would definitely try to do it his way but you know Spielberg is money yeah especially in 1985 and guys guess who writes a screenplay I actually don't know who my boyfriend Chris Columbus wrote this movie. That's why I love it so much. Of Harry Potter and Home Alone fame? That's absolutely right. That's absolutely right. And it, you know what? I know I like to say it's a spooky time movie, but it's a summer movie. It, <laughs> it was, is a summer movie. It, it was, takes place during the summer. It was released in June 1985. It takes place during the fall. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> did, it's you, the Pacific, did you watch the same movie? It's the Pacific Northwest. Do you expect me to keep track of that? I guess you're right. Everything's yeah, no. in cloud cover. How am I supposed to know what season you it is? You are not wrong. But guys, basically what we're talking about today, the Goonies, we're talking about a group of miscreant friends living in the Goondocks in Astoria, Oregon. And guys, as always, the real villain in this plot is capitalism. <laughs> Yeah. And uh, uh, some really prickish white men are trying to build a country club and destroy their homes. And no, since no, all no, of. No. They already have a country club. They're building a golf course. Oh, yes, that's right. They're expanding the country club. Oh, Barb. To destroy their homes. And because all these people are poor, 
they have no other recourse. They got to sell to the big man in order to, you know, recoup whatever they would lose. And there is this, you know, old local legend about One-Eyed Willie and the treasure that he stole from the British and how it's buried somewhere near Astoria. And this is going to be little Mikey Walsh and his friends on their adventure to recover the stolen booty of One-Eyed Willie to then pay to save their homes. The way you called it booty... It's booty. No, the way it's you like actual booty. I could hear the giggle that you choked back when you said booty. <laughs> it's so funny. Guys, this is definitely, you know, a cult film, I feel like. A cult? Can you call it a cult film when it made like $102 million? Like, it's the thing. It was super popular at the time, but it's not really popular with kids today. So, like... Like, I think what you mean is that it is enduring. You know what I mean? Like, we are in the year 2022. <laughs> cult film? Did you say enduring film? Yeah, no, 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 yeah. <laughs> we are in the year 2022, and one of the most popular series that exists right now is Stranger Things. Yeah, that's right, yeah. There is so- Because everyone's got a dick in their mouth about the 80s. Yeah, you're exactly right. <laughs> but there is so much about this movie's DNA that is encoded into Stranger Things as a concept. Like, and I mean, the Duffer Brothers will be the first to admit that. Why do you think Sean Astin was in the series? Of course, absolutely. So, yeah, no, it's one of the great movies of the 80s that we can return to over and over again in these times. Guys, you might have guessed it, but we have names. Guys, please welcome to Kicking and Streaming in his first appearance. Mr. Sean Astin. Playing Mikey Walsh. Yes, our little protagonist. This is like, you know, this was his breakout role. Yeah. You know what I mean? He's the sweet little asthmatic leader of the Goonies. And then he'd go on to do, of course, like Rudy. And of course, we know him best as Samwise Gamgee from the epic Lord of the Rings trilogy. He's Drew Barrymore's little brother in Fifty First Dates. God, he's in (laughs) Click. Remember Click? Ah! That awful Adam Sandler movie. I try not to remember Click. With the time remote. He's he did he did a stint as Raphael in Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. <laughs> and guys, of course, he's Bob Newby in the second season of Stranger Things. We stand Sean Astin on this podcast. We love him to death. I would love to be friends with Sean Astin. Please welcome back to Kicking and Streaming, Mr. Josh Brolin. A.K.A. the stepson of Barbara Streisand. Yeah, guys, you'll remember Josh Brolin from when we covered Planet Terror. Yeah, No Country for Old Man, True Grit, um, W. Please, George W. Bush, what the fuck? Josh Brolin had no business being this attractive in the 80s. Yeah, I know. My little teenage heart. He's also in the MCU. He's Thanos. Yeah, 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 yeah. He is playing Brand. Brandon. (laughs) Brandon Walsh, Mikey's older older brother. I love Brand. You know, he's more high school. Mikey's more middle school. Uh, Guys, please welcome to Kicking and Streaming Mr. Corey Feldman. I don't believe he's been with us yet. No, we've talked about him, but I really don't think he's been here. Corey Feldman has actually been doing some very important work. Uh, he was more of a child actor. He's it was in less things as stuff, you know, went along. But he is trying to do his best to help expose more of the pedophilia ring in Hollywood. <gasps> Good for Corey Feldman. Because he was a victim of it as a <gasps> Wait, child in the 80s. Wasn't he closely acquainted with Michael Jackson? Yes. Oh, But he's dear. never claimed anything against Michael Jackson. All right. Okay. Uh, at least not that I know of. And then there's also, sorry, guys. <laughs> 
serious talk. But his friend, Corey Haim, the Corys. Yeah, the Corey duos. Yeah, Corey, like the, the Corey battles or whatever. Cor- both the Corys had their struggles with, you know, addiction. And it finally took Corey Haim from us, I think, in the 90s at some point. Aww. But, you know, they, they were best friends. They were the Corys. They were in shit together all the time. And I think, my, I think Corey Feldman wrote a memoir in which he exposes that, uh, or, well, claims that, Charlie Sheen raped Corey Haim. <gasps> really? Yeah. Oh, no. In the 80s on the set of a film in, like, 1989. Oh, I mean, I never liked Charlie Sheen, but seriously, fuck Charlie Sheen. Yeah, no. Martin, I'm so sorry. Yeah. Oh, my God. Corey Feldman is playing Clark Mouth Devereaux today. <laughs> he is literally going to be the mouth. Yes, absolutely. I do love mouth. <laughs> mouth is fun. Mouth is fun to be here. Um, Please welcome... Mr. Jeff Cohen <laughs> to kicking and streaming. He's he's an attorney <laughs> and the founding partner of Cohen and Gardner LLP. <laughs> but today he's playing for us Chunk. His life just went in a different direction. Yeah, it really did. He was all set to be a kid actor and nope, he became an attorney. This is what he looks like now. He is very cute. He's, he's a cutie and I just... Oh. The abuse. Yeah, no, they are so mean to this poor kid. Yeah, no, let's In cast this... a fat kid, you know, like. <laughs> God. He's playing Chunk Lawrence. Yeah, Lawrence. <laughs> Lawrence. Oh, they kept his last name as the character's last name. <laughs> Chunk Cohen, that's his name. He's, of course, the gluttonous member of the Goonies who everyone has fun picking on. He's a habitual liar and <laughs> to get attention. And Does he's... it uh, feel a little familiar it for do- you? It does feel a little familiar for me. <laughs> <laughs> I love Chunk. Chunk is treasure. Chunk and Steph are my two favorite characters. Th- yeah, no. <laughs> uh, we've got Kihoi Kwan here with us today. Uh, he is playing Data. His name is Richard Wang. Dick Wang. Yeah. <gasps> oh my god. <laughs> Data's name is Dick Wang. I love that. Is there a joke made about that once in the film? I don't I, think there is. I don't think there is, but they just call him Data. Yeah, Data. He is a brilliant, genius little child who is Mikey and Brand's next door neighbor. He makes gadgets. Yes, he's an inventor. He's a little inventor. He's just like his father. Yeah. And, you know, Kehoi Kwan, like, kind of quit acting after this. He's a he's a stunt choreographer. Choreographer? Yeah. Choreographer. Chore- he's a stunt choreographer. And, like, he was just kind of sick of it after this point. And then, like, if you saw, well, what is that movie called? I always misquote the title. It's, like, everything, everywhere, all of the time. Yeah. <laughs> That's not it. That's yeah, really. Yeah, just you and everything <laughs> all, all of the, the time. time. No, yeah. <laughs> I'm blending two things there but yeah he came back everything everywhere all at once that's right that's what it is Mm -hmm. (laughs) he came back to Hollywood for that movie and I'm glad he's with us again and like I love that I and I mean like what other movie to be on as a child to inspire you to become a stunt choreographer? I mean, the stunts in this movie and are excellent. He's the little gadgeteer anyway, so I love that this influenced him in that way. We've got Carrie Green here with us today. She is playing Andy, uh, who is Brand's kind of, you know, crush. You have to give me more of her credentials because I've... Here's the thing. She was also... She was almost played by Heather Langenkamp of Nightmare on Elm Street fame. Ah, yes. But I've never seen Carrie Green in anything else, I don't think. Um, she was Oh, I can't be- there Oh, I can't believe you have you have. You actually have. What? You just don't know it. <gasps> uh, Carrie's going to shit, guys. Oh. 
she was on one episode of Law and Order Special Victims Unit in 2001 called Stolen. Oh, that's about a kidnapped kid. So there you go. She was on Murder, <laughs> She Wrote. She was on ER. She was on uh, something called Belly Fruit in 1999. God love her soap opera soft ass. Yeah, Andy Carmichael, everyone. Guys, please welcome to Kicking and Streaming, Martha Plimpton as Steph. I have no reason to believe that you, me, and Martha Plimpton would not get along famously. Oh my god, we'd be the best of friends. <laughs> I love her so much. She's so funny. I love her from Raising Hope. Yeah. Uh, that, that poor short-lived show. I, I did love it though. You know, it was on for five years. Yeah. So like, I mean, I don't know if you've ever seen it, but I love Raising Hope. Please welcome to Kicking and Streaming, uh, John Matusak. Oh, okay. He was a former NFL defensive end. <laughs> I'll say. And he is playing the character of Sloth. Yeah. His real name is Lotney Fratelli. He is the, quote, deformed son of the Fratelli family. Yeah, exactly. He's, oh, <laughs> poor Sloth. I love Sloth so much. I yeah. Just, uh... Between Sloth and Rosalita, I don't know who's more abused in this film. <laughs> Sloth is just, Sloth's journey is just horrible and amazing, but we'll get there. Guys, please welcome to Kicking and Streaming Anne Ramsey. As Mama Fratelli. We know her for two things, Mama Fratelli and the Goonies and the Mama of Throw Mama from the Train, with Danny, <laughs> where she plays Danny DeVito's horrible mother. Yes! And, you know, she she passed away, like, mere three years after this came out. Yeah. yeah. R.I.P. Apparently, she was the sweetest, nicest lady. Oh, no, yeah. I've seen behind-the-scenes footage with her. Like, everyone just thought she was a delight. And then she turns around and is this awful fuck. Like, I can't believe these are the same person. I can't, I can't either. We've got Robert Davi as Jake Fratelli, the uh, uh, oldest Fratelli child. Guys, uh, Die Hard, he's Special Ancient Johnson. He's uh, Franz Sanchez in License to Kill, which is a James Bond movie. Playing uh, Francis Fratelli is Joe Pantoliano. That was really good. <laughs> Joe Pantoliano. I know him from something else. I know I do. He's in NYPD Blue, uh, Hill Street Blues, Bad Boys, The Matrix. Oh, The Sopranos. He's, he's Ralph <laughs> Cifaretto. I'm sorry, Italy. <laughs> I'm so, so sorry, much. Italy and Italian America. Oh my God. All right, guys. Let's stretch our legs. Let's get comfortable. Let's get our favorite beverage. It's time to talk about this film. <laughs> That was one of your most eloquent segues ever. <laughs> oh my god! Like I said, I Steve, love this movie. Steven Spielberg presents a Richard Donner film. We in the clink. Most of this was filmed on location in Astoria. Really? Exactly. Like Astoria, Oregon. Exactly. Wow. Um, so we're like in the county jail. The beach where Haystack Rock is, the famous Haystack Rock, is actually about. Mm, I think it's like 20 or 30 miles south of Astoria, but like they mostly, they shot this over five months in Oregon. Which is very short in like Hollywood times. This jail that we start in is actually that county's jailhouse <laughs> in Oregon. So where did we have to take the prisoners for that day? I don't know. Oh my God. One inmate has supposedly committed suicide in his cell and one of the guards walks in and he's got, he's obviously hanging there and he's got, sorry guys, TW. Yeah, no. <laughs> he's got this piece of paper hung around his neck that says, to whom it may concern. The cop flips it around. You schmuck. Do you really think it'd be stupid enough to kill me? Kill myself. <laughs> Knocks him right out. It was so easy. 
This is Jake Fratelli. Yeah, no, this is one of the Fratelli family. The Fratellis are obviously organized crime associated people who are on the run. Why else would they be here in Oregon? And you hear them talk about it in the film, too. Remember when you used to go to that pizza place in the Bronx? Like, (laughs) they're obviously fled west from whatever peril they faced on the East Coast. And... Outside, Mama Fratelli is waiting patiently in their off-road vehicle while her other son, Francis, is gassing up the parking lot. This is so silly. No, they're literally about to set the jail on fire so they can escape. Every time I'd hear this music, it would just set me aflame. I, this is all done so well. That's one of my first notes. Why is this one of the most awesome opening sequences in film? The lock, They're arguing about getting the door open just in time for Francis to roll down the window, shoot a bullet at the pavement, and light the gas aflame. That's such horseshit. That is such horseshit that would not happen. <laughs> But it's kind of epic watching that parking lot go up, and then we go on this epic police chase. Yeah, they they take this police chase through the entire town, out to the beach. No, yeah, we're literally, I love that we're getting shots of everybody that's going to be in the movie being in the background of the police chase. Oh, yeah, do you want to talk about the Goonies themselves as we're kind of introduced to them? Okay, no, while Mama Fratelli is eating crackers and being shot at. She's eating sardines (laughs) behind the when they join the beach race to get away. That's how the Fratellis get away. They literally join like a four by four beach race. This shit was always so cool. And then of course we do see them tear by the goondocks as they are known. Yeah. Maybe a lower middle class contingent of Astoria society. Like we pass by like Andy at cheerleading practice and we pass by, what is what is Steph doing? Steph? Down at the, she literally is like bobbing for a lobster? She's bobbing for crabs. Is uh, maybe her dad's a fisherman? I don't know. Yeah, we'll talk more about these people as we get to them. Exactly. We're just seeing them in this opening sequence. And then, like, Chunk in the arcade. Oh, boy, a police chase! And he's, when he's, when he's smearing the pizza on the window. And his strawberry milkshake is overflowing in his hand. (laughs) We also have Mouth. His dad's a plumber. Yeah. His dad's literally trying to fix the sink. And Mouth is getting sprayed in his mouth with water. Exactly. We also have the home of the Walshes. We have Mom Irene, Dad, I don't even know what the dad's- Irving. Irving. He's the museum curator. Yeah, he's the museum curator. And then we have older brother Bran- and Bran. I keep saying Bran like Game like of Bran Thrones. Like Bran Stark, yeah. No, Bran, Brand, I hate it. I know, Bran Dunn. I'd rather call him Brandon, but if we have to call Michael Mikey, we have to call Brandon Brand. They're all known by a nickname. Mikey and Brand are a little sad. They're trying to distract and delude themselves because uh, they're going to have to move. Yeah. They're losing their home to these land developers trying to build a golf course. Nothing exciting ever happens around here anyway. We need the Goondocks. I need this house. I can't wait to get out of here. Really? Nah. I was just trying to delete myself. No, no. You know, uh, uh, dictate myself. That's delude yourself, dummy. That's what I said. One of the most endearing things about Mike to me is that 
he has problems with words. Yeah. He'll say words incorrectly, but kind of close to what he meant to say. Yeah. And, like, it's just super cute and endearing. And, like, you know, Brand is kind of divorced from the whole situation emotionally. Like, he's just trying to lift weights. It's happening tomorrow. Yeah, it's very imminent. And, like, Mikey, can I tell you something about Mikey? What? Mikey is one of my top ten favorite film characters. Is he really? There is nothing about Mikey that I don't love. I know. Like, Mikey, Mikey's so sweet. He's probably, what, 12? Yeah, no. He's got asthma. He's got, like, a small stutter. He likes comic books. He hella knowledgeable. He hella knowledgeable. He's one of the Stranger Things kids. Basically. <laughs> you know, he's one of those boys. Unlike most kids who are living in a nowhere place, he actually likes where he lives. Yeah, he loves the goondocks. He loves identifying as a goonie and loves his friends and his family. Mouth comes a-knocking at the door, right? Oh, my God. Mouth is a little adult, and he knows it. <laughs> but he's just one of those kids that had to be funny and an asshole to survive. You just yeah. know. Come on, what's the matter? What is this, a nuclear Saturday or something? Come on, guys. This is our last weekend together. Last Goonie weekend. we got to be going out in style. Cruising the coast. Sniffing some lace. Down in the bruise. But no! One older brother had to go and screw it up. But no, Brandon <laughs> had to go and get grounded and fail his driving <laughs> test again. What was he going to do, drive them around and raise hell? Like, I don't know what the supposed plan was. We get our first jerk alert. Oh, no. It's Chunk. <laughs> hey, guys, you got to let me in. Chunk is here to tell the boys about the amazing police chase he just witnessed in town. The way they make him stand up on that stump. Carrie. And like raise his shirt. Carrie. And jiggle his body fat around for them. Here we are. The, the fucking truffle, incident. The truffle shuffle. The classic truffle shuffle. <laughs> The way they then proceed to let him in, I always found this so tedious as a kid. I was like, this is too much. Oh, the Rubes Goldberg pulley system? The intricate system they've set up to get that gate to open on its own. Yeah. I just... I love, I admire the creativity, but my God. But this time watching it, I was like, oh, this is foreshadowing. It is. This is total foreshadowing of what's to come. And I never respected that as a child. Speaking of intricate entrances, you want to talk about how Data comes over? Not Data and his wings of flight. Okay. <laughs> He's ziplining. He's got a, he's got an actual zipline between his house and theirs where he can just alley-oop into the front door. And <laughs> the screen door is in. It was. There it was. Hey, any of you guys ever hear of Detroit? No. Certainly. When Motown started. That's got the highest murder rate in the country. Well, let me tell you what. That's where we're moving. We'll lose a house tomorrow. You shut up about that stuff. It'll never happen. My dad will fix it. Yeah, sure he will. If he gets his next 400 paychecks by tomorrow afternoon. That's wrong, Brandon. It won't happen. Brandon's like, none of this matters. Ugh, Dad's not going to get his next 400 paychecks by tomorrow afternoon. We're all doomed, you know, being the pessimistic teenager that he is. And Mikey, who is a child and full of hope, is like, that's wrong, Brand. You're wrong about that. It's not going to happen. And that's when Irene walks in, Mrs. Walsh, with Rosalita. Rosalita is a Spanish-speaking woman. She's just here. 
Like, yeah, no, yeah, no. And she doesn't know English very well, or actually not at all. She's concerned that Rosalita doesn't know a word of English, but guess who knows Spanish? Mouth, or Clark. <laughs> she calls him Clark. As he's known by the government. <laughs> She's dragging Rosalita through this house, explaining everything she wants done. And Mouth is, quote, translating. Very badly, I might add. Like, no, not badly. He knows what he's doing. No, he's completely misleading her. He, he Irene will say something and then Mouth translates, but completely incorrectly. He's telling her to separate the drugs. Yeah. In, the, in, the, in her vanity, the heroin, the speed, the marijuana. <laughs> and then they're in another room and she's like, here's the closet with all my cleaning supplies. And Mouth literally looks at her and he says, if you do a bad job... You'll be locked in here with the cockroaches for two weeks without food or water. Okay, Rosie? Okay? You're going to be very happy here. Come on, Clark. We've got much more to do. You're so fluent in language. My God, I'm in a crazy house. <laughs> Is what Rosalina says. You know what? The, you know what note I took. What? At this point, I was like, "Why do I feel like she kidnapped this woman?" I know, right? No. Like, she knows no Spanish. How did she convince this woman to come back here with her? Like, did she kidnap her from the supermarket? She was being probably hella racist about it. She was like, "Oh, you look like you clean." Yeah. Like, that's all I'm saying. But like, it's the '80s. Um, um, this is where Mom says, "No, Mikey, outside. We're not getting asthma right before a move. Sorry." Yeah, we're not having the asthma flare up, and Brand- it's Brandon's chore to watch him for the next hour while she and Rosalita go to the supermarket. And this is where Mouth suggests that there is definitely rich stuff in the attic, and they should raid it. Yeah, let's loot the attic. Let's loot all of the expensive old stuff in your dad's attic. Mouth is like, maybe there's something worth money up there that he hasn't thought of yet. Let's go take a look. And Brandon's like, hell yeah, I'm bored. Let's go. And Mikey's <laughs> like, that's my dad's stuff. Don't fucking touch it. They proceed to touch it all. Oh, absolutely. There was an exhibition at the museum where uh, Mr. Walsh works and it was about all about the history of Astoria and the things that had been left up here were the rejects from the exhibit. Yeah, stuff the museum didn't want for the exhibit. Mm-hmm. And, which and is, you know, Mike's, you know, Irving's not just going to throw all that shit away. Like, like this is all the pirate stuff. Mm-hmm. It's like no one wants to talk about the pirate history of Astoria. Which I'm sorry. I don't think there is one. Uh, whatever, Ross. Uh, no, no, I really don't think, like, you'll see You'll see why this makes no sense in, in a little bit. Okay. But Mikey finds this big, ornate frame with a glass pane in it, and it's got an old, what looks like an old treasure map inside. And he's trying to get it out, and he just goes, Choke! I didn't touch it. I know you didn't touch it. Get over here. Don't touch it. Yeah. Oh, my God. Why me, Mike? Mike, take this up for There's a real big ball, you know, and it's got this big thing. Literally, let's Chunk hold the frame for three seconds, counts to three, and Chunk drops it because he's a fucking klutz. But then they pull the map out of the frame, and that's not all that's in there. There's also, like, this really round, like, it almost looks like a rock, but it's not a rock. It's a very old doubloon. It's a doubloon. One gold doubloon! <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Say, it says 1632. Is that a year or something? <laughs> oh, my God. And this is where Mikey is reminded of the local legend of One-Eyed Willie. One-Eyed Willie the pirate and his ship? 
the inferno. I was always waiting to get to this moment in the movie where Mikey tells the story. The way Sean Astin delivers these lines is nothing short of endearing. Basically what One-Eyed Willie did was he stole a huge treasure from the British from the British crown, and there was a whole war about it. The British king sent tons of ships out after him to destroy him, and basically the war that ensued bombarded Willie's ship, the Inferno, into a cave somewhere near Astoria, and legend has it that it's still there somewhere. There was just guns bursting here and cannons bursting there, and then Willie fled because he didn't want to stay around because he knew he'd get killed if he stayed around, and then he got into this cave, and then the British, they blew up the walls all around him, and he got caved in, and he's been there ever since. Forever Forever and ever trapped. Mikey really believes in this. Mm -hmm. It's the sweetest thing in the wide world, the way he is looking into middle distance while he is telling this story. And here's what I realized this time around. You know why it's endearing to me? Why? Because he's you. Aww. He sounds like you talking about a part of history you like. I like it. Yeah, no. I always identified with Mikey a little bit. He's the sweetest kid. Uh, But the thing is about the legend is that One-Eyed Willie killed all of his men, right? (laughs) So that nobody would ever find the treasure. And Chunk is quick to point out, hold on, hold on. If he killed all his men, how did the map or the story get out? And Mikey's like, oh, no, 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 no. I thought about this. And he's like, it's like, he's like, I talked to my dad and he said, it's likely that one of his men got away with the map. Hey, Mikey, I believe you. I don't believe you. I think you're full of shit. And like, here's the thing. This whole The setting and this plot device do not add up. Oh, here we go. I'm sorry. There would not be a way for the British government to send an armada after after one ship in the Pacific. You know what? (laughs) I don't want to hear it. Not in 1632. I don't give a shit. I don't give a shit. I know. It would take months to get to that part of the world. The Puritans got here a mere 12 years earlier. Like... (laughs) Here's one thing you will love about this is that Sean Astin actually got to keep the map. Did he really? Until his mother found it in his room and assumed it was a wrinkled piece of paper and threw it away. Patty? (laughs) You're fucked for that. (laughs) You're so fucked for that. Get fucked, Patty Duke. This is where Chunk pulls out a newspaper article he's found about Chester Copperpot, who went missing looking for One-Eyed Willie's famous treasure in 1935. I was going to say, like, in the 30s. Yeah. And they're reading, like, a block quote from this article from Chester Copperpot, who was, like, a recluse, really liked puzzles and scavenger hunts, that kind of thing. The fattiest thatch of his time. Exactly. (laughs) Chester Copperpot, missing while in pursuit of local legend, Exclusive scavenger claims I have the key to one-eyed Willie. Wow, you guys realize what we could do? Nobody ever found nothing, you guys. I I have have the key to one-eyed Willie. That always gave me chills. Oh, my God. Because that invigorates Mikey, right? Yeah. He's like, listen, what if we could really find this stuff? He's like, guys, we could do this. One more adventure. Let's go. Final weekend. Let's try and save our house. But Mr. Perkins is here to bother. Oh, my God. Mr. Perkins is Troy's father. Troy's the evil white boy that goes to school with Brand. Perkins has the papers for Mr. Walsh to sign, finalizing on the foreclosure. 
foreclosure of their home. Can I help you? Hello, little guys. I'm Mr. Perkins, Troy's father. We know who Troy is. He's such a cheap Shut guy. Up. My dad's not home, Mr. Perkins. Is your mommy here? No, sir. Actually, she's not at the market buying pampers for all us kids. <laughs> papers, don't. Well, you can give these papers to your father to uh, read through and sign. Their whole little world is going to be wrecked in order for someone to build a golf course. And it's all because they're poor. Yeah. Like, it's just so evil. It really is. Like, when when Mikey's, like, staring wistfully out on the neighborhood, and then Brandon comes back out the back door so no one sees him give Mikey the biggest hug. And, like, just the way Brand picks up his limp, depressed little He's body. He's literally dragging his feet. <laughs> I love them. So the boys decide they're going looking for treasure, but they got to take Bran out first, right? Mm -hmm. Because Bran's not going to let them go gallivanting off to look for some treasure. He he (laughs) likes to exercise to Cindy Lauper. the first time this happened in pop culture but like one of the first big instances of the modern film era of them pairing a music release with a film release and it just went off like gangbusters absolutely it did like this was such a perfect mesh i i love this song it's a great song in and of its own but like it's all about the movie and it's just perfect brand's just sitting there exercising to this video he's doing one of those stretch things where you pull the handles and you try to see how far apart you can pull it Mm -hmm. and like i don't know (laughs) these boys manage to trick him into stretching it really far out hey brad how far can you stretch that yeah not that hard (laughs) and then they pin the two handles behind him on the armchair effectively strapping and trapping him to that chair so they can leave the house The way that Mrs. Walsh and Rosalita come back from the grocery store and see Bran bound to that chair, turned over, and do not help him in the slightest. Oh, Mom. Mom, you got a lot of... Mom. Mom. Can't you just exercise like a normal kid? Look at you. You're hyperventriloquating here. That's hyperventilating, Ma. Oh, my God. She does it, too. Uh, Yeah. That's where Mikey gets it, and I think that's perfect. And also, these little fucks, they let the air out of Bran's tires on his bike. So he can't chase them. Bran, once he gets free, is forced to steal Data's little sister's bike. (laughs) My bike! My bike! I want my bike! (laughs) He's literally riding a tricycle out to the road to go chase these boys. Okay, is this where you want to talk about Troy and Andy and Steph in the convertible? Troy is a repressed homosexual, and he has... (laughs) This cheerleader friend named Andy, who he has on his arm, so people won't notice. Okay, and that's um, your context for this film. He's got his little red convertible. He's driving Andy around, using the mirror to look down her shirt. Fucking disgusting. Yeah. And in the back seat is Andy's best friend, Steph. Let's talk about it right here, right now, okay? Okay. No, I know exactly what you're going to say. Steph is giving big barb energy. (gasps) I didn't know it was going to be that similar, but I took the exact same note. And, like, listen, no, 
Steph never makes like any like looks or advances at Andy, but like I disagree. I can feel it. I disagree. I can feel the sapphic energy wafting off of Steph onto Andy. There is a shot later where Andy is kissing Brand, and Steph just is disgusted to look at it. No, yeah, it's very, it's very Barb and Nancy. It's I, I love their little friendship. I will die on this hill. The Duffer Brothers styled Barb after Steph, right down to the chonky glasses and the short hair and the sapphic vibes. And like, I'm sorry, Steph is a lesbian. Like, <laughs> she's the funniest lesbian. Anyway, she is. I love her. I love that we get representation in this movie. It's not representation. <laughs> You're right. It's not. No. We are projecting that we, onto this. We are projecting that. Troy, you touch that mirror again, I swear to God, I'm gonna smack you in the face. <laughs> it was Brand. Oh, like the bike. What is he doing? No wonder he can't get all of it. Here comes Bran on Data's sister's tricycle. Is that Brand? No wonder he can't get a license. <laughs> and like Troy does this insane thing where he offers him a ride and then holds his hand on the car and speeds the car up so the bike is out of control. This is unhinged. And literally lets him go off the side of a cliff. <laughs> Brand's dead, guys. R.I.P. Like, Troy! Yeah, what no. Is wrong? Who is raising you oxygen thieves? We're coming out of the trees somewhere. And we hold up the doubloon, and we see that two of the big rocks in the bay, as well as the lighthouse in the distance, are lined up in the doubloon. So this must be where we start our road to the treasure. Yeah. This is where the map starts, apparently. The gang all goes waltzing towards the air quote restaurant, which you can <laughs> hardly call it. And there are already two people going inside ahead of them. And at that moment is when they're heard being shot to death inside <gasps> the inside this shack. Yeah, the boys hear gunshots. And like as they are approaching the restaurant... Chunk is the only one calling out the red flags. It's so funny because he is wearing a bright red jacket. I know, yeah, exactly. <laughs> He's literally calling out the red flags. He does not want to be here. He reluctantly follows those boys up the front steps of that restaurant, and there's like a Pepsi cooler off to the side. Soda pop. Oh, boy, am I thirsty. Damn it. There's nothing in it. <laughs> Opens that lid, damn it. <laughs> this is me right now. No, absolutely. <laughs> Chunk goes over to the garage next to the place and finds the RV that the Fratellis were driving in the beginning <laughs> with bullet holes the size of meatballs in the trunk. No RV. Bullet holes. Oh my god, when they're in the window, they're self-delusion, I swear. Oh, what's that big bag they're carrying to the back? Oh, it's just food. You know, like, it's a body, kids. We all know it. They get into the restaurant. It's obviously not open. 
and they meet Mama Fratelli. Yeah, Mama Fratelli's definitely Irish Catholic, and Papa Fratelli was definitely Italian Catholic. Uh huh. And um, I bet their parents had something to say about that. Exactly. And she's so creepy with these boys. They're like, "Oh, oh no, we just want to sit down. We just want to sit down." And she, she takes mouth by the mouth. Squeezes his little tongue out of his mouth. Because he's he's being a mouth. He's <laughs> doing a fake Italian accent to her, which he's gonna find offensive. The only thing we serve is tongue. <laughs> you boys like tongue? <laughs> That's all. Threatening to cut his tongue off with the pocket knife. This makes me bust every time. They're all backing away from her, and she goes, Sit down! And, <laughs> and Chunk sinks right to the floor when he sits in his chair. Are you all right, Chunk? <laughs> oh my, oh my god. god. So Mikey asks to go to the bathroom. Okay, I don't. <laughs> Mikey, this isn't the kind of place you'd want to use the bathroom. Why not? <laughs> well, there could be daddy long legs in him. Oh, dead things, Mikey, dead things. And so Mama Fratelli tells him, all right, bathroom's that way. Just stay to the right. Yeah. And Mikey does not stay to the right. Not the growling. Oh, Mikey comes up on this room that's closed and barred, by the way. And he's hearing all this roaring noise. As well as very good singing yeah (laughs) from jake jake is feeding their little brother more like torturing no he's torturing yeah okay hold on hold on hold on (laughs) back up there is a third fratelli brother lotney but they call him sloth because he's deformed it looks like it kind of looks like One half of his face is melting, right? Yeah. And he's very big and very strong. And in order to deal with him, they literally keep him chained in the basement of this restaurant like an animal. And they bring him food every once in a while. When we meet Sloth, Jake is literally like teasing him with the food. And you can hear Sloth, he's going, food, please. Yeah, yeah. They're torturing him. All because he looks the way he does. It's so horrible. It is so horrible. And like, Mikey runs back upstairs, terrified. When she throws them all out of the store because Brandon is there. Yeah. Brandon is there to finally yank him out. And Mikey is trying to explain to Brandon that there is an it, a giant it in the basement. And they go back out onto the front lawn and they hide behind this rock. And they see the Fratellis dragging what is pretty obviously a body. <laughs> They're all, and Chunk's just like, listen, why don't we just go home? Like, we're going to get in way more trouble if we stay here. And I love this little speech. Home? Oh, yeah. This is where Mikey's like, you guys want to give up on this right now? Mikey, come on. Our parents are worried. It's dinner time. Yeah. Why don't we go home? Home? What home? In a couple more hours, it ain't going to be home anymore. Come on, guys. This is our time. Our last chance to see if there really is any rich stuff. 
God, the real villain here really is capitalism. Yeah, these poor kids are about to lose everything they know. Also the Fratellis, but like... Well, no, yeah, the Fratellis are murderers and uh, federal criminals at this point. Some of these scenes are so chaotic where they're really just walking around and yelling at each other. <laughs> also, I, are we just supposed to believe that... Steph and Andy just wandered away from the car to find these guys here. Yeah, it's like they got out of Troy's car because they were sick of him and just followed Bran to this restaurant where all the boys are. It just doesn't make sense that they're here. But they're here and they're going to be with us for the ride. Mikey takes them all back inside because he wants to show them the it in the basement. And they're going down there and, of course, it scares the shit out of them and they fall into this other room. And Chunk, in Chunk-like fashion, is waddling around and breaks the water cooler bottle. I got it! I got it! I got it! I don't got it. You clutch. Hope it's not a deposit bottle. This is ridiculous. It's crazy. I feel like I'm babysitting except I'm not getting paid. (laughs) And they can hear that water trickling down what they think is a trap door in the fireplace. And they get it all cleared out of the way, and we can see that it is a tunnel down there. And, like, they're getting ready to go down this fireplace, and as they're all clamoring around the hole, Data uncovers this piece of machinery that's in the corner of this room. And, like, he turns it on... And it starts going, and guys, it's printing money. (laughs) It's printing $50 bills. (laughs) This is why the Fratellis are on the run. They're counterfeiters. When Steph finds that paper clipping, it's like, I recognize these people. These are the Fratellis. <laughs> Chunk is like, y'all didn't listen to me. I fucking said don't come in here, but you didn't listen to me. Stops in his tracks. I smell ice cream. <laughs> and then, of course, he finds the walk-in. And they got apple. Oh, and they got grape. They got grape and super-duper chocolate eruption. And course what else is going to be in that freezer with them but a dead body and it rolls over on chunk and chunk screams of course and they are trying to get this body let back up but the fratellis are arriving back right mm-hmm. they went to dump a body and also get a pizza because you know like you do but it's one of the other fed guys that went in with the first guy right why they didn't get rid of the bodies at the same time i don't know this is a plot device but they literally <laughs> aren't shoving the body back in but they're shoving chunk in behind it and they <laughs> lock chunk in the walk-in with the dead body <laughs> poor traumatized chunk he's never getting over this help 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 guys come on you Bran says we need to get out of here, right? But Mikey's like, it's the fireplace. That's the only way we're going to get out of here. Yeah, no, if they go back upstairs, they're going to get capped. (laughs) It all starts here. They all get scrambled down into this fireplace right as the Fratellis are coming downstairs. And so they're all in the fireplace. The Fratellis disperse and Chunk manages to get out of the freezer. 
And Brandon and Mikey are in the in the hole in the fireplace and they're telling Chunk, listen, go get the police. You're the only way that we're going to get out of this alive. Please go tell somebody. And Chunk's like, I got you. I'm going. And he finds his way out of a little window in the basement that they (laughs) didn't notice before. Too bad they didn't notice the window before this. (laughs) (laughs) Then this whole adventure might not have happened. Anyway, it's dark, it's dank, it's cold in this tunnel. Steph breaks her glasses. Oh. And, like, they're they're having a bad time maneuvering around down there. I love when Chunk is escaping into the night. I love the dark. I love the dark, but I hate nature. I hate nature. No, he's running for the police, and he runs out onto this highway and flags down this car. He runs up to the driver's side window, and he's like, Listen, dude, I need you to give me a ride. My friends and I just had a run in with these really disgusting people. You might have heard of them, the Fratellis. Well, we found their hideout. And could you please, please take me to the sheriff's station? I can describe all three of them. And then the light in the cab turns on, and it's Jake! <laughs> and then he starts reciting his Hebrew prayers. <laughs> And they put Chunk in the back with the bed body. I know. <laughs> this poor kid. He almost got away. But yeah, he's been recaptured. The Goonies find themselves in a drainage pipe distribution venue underground. No, they're just in this cavern that has all these pipes sticking out of the ceiling. This is this cavern is right underneath the country club. <laughs> and Mouth is like, listen, this has got to be a near major road or something. If we fuck with this shit, maybe someone will hear us. And they go ape. They just start banging on the pipes, hanging on them, trying to make them move so that someone on the surface will hear them. And don't get me wrong, people on the surface noticed. (laughs) (laughs) The cartoonish way this fucks with the country club. I I just love it. club's gonna demolish their homes exactly and they just fuck up all their central plumbing all of the shower heads are coming out of the walls that water fountain jiggling up and down while that old guy's trying to get a drink troy getting propelled off the potty by the reverse pressure (laughs) that's great the reverse pressure coming out of this one pipe actually clears the way for the actual tunnel they need to go down (laughs) yeah the fratellis uh meanwhile are threatening to blend chunk's hand in a blender to make a nice tasty drink They want him to give up information about the other kids. Francis grabs him by the throat. Hey, kid. I want you to spill your guts. Tell us everything. 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 Okay, I'll talk. In third grade, I cheated on my history exam. In fourth grade, I stole my Uncle Max's toupee and I glued it on my face when I played Moses in my Hebrew school play. In fifth grade, I knocked my sister Edie down the stairs and I blamed it on the dog. Chunk, they didn't mean give them your life story, but way to distract so the others can get away. I love Chunk buying time. Yeah, he tells them his whole friggin' life story. Every bad thing he ever did, just so they won't make a milkshake out of his hand. <laughs> I, oh my God. It's meanwhile in the caves that Andy is kind of losing her shit. And she's like, I should have just stayed with Troy. I have a good body, don't I? I have a good body. How many good years left do I have before you end up looking like him? And points to a skeleton laying on the ground that's been crushed by a boulder. He's dead for sure. I, I think he's the trusted copper pot. 
Chester who? Who? Don't you guys remember from the attic? The news oh, article. See, they said the last guy who went looking for the witch stuff, they said he went in, but he never came back out. But, see, that was like back in 1935. Oh, God, if he didn't make it out and he was supposed to be an expert, what about us, guys? How are we going to get out of here, huh? Guys, it's not good. Of course, it's a skeleton. Of course, someone's dead. When Data goes, he's dead for sure. Data, what? (laughs) It's a skeleton. And guys, we figure out through going through this skeleton's pockets, because it still has pockets, that this is the remains of Chester Copperpot. Yeah, he walked into one of One-Eyed Willie's traps and died. (laughs) Everyone freaks out and is like, okay, if he couldn't fucking do it, What makes you think we're not going to end up just like him, Mikey? We need to get out of here. Like, literally, Chester Copperpot walked so they can run. Exactly. Because this is the first indication we're getting that there are booby traps down here. Like, of course it was in the story, but now we're actually seeing it. And then there's also this artifact in the dirt next to Chester Cobblepot. Copperpot. Ooh, look at you, Gotham. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm sorry. And it is a, it's kind of like a skeleton key. It looks like a skull. It's got two eye holes and a nose hole in it. And as they're trying to get away, <laughs> Bran is like moving this rock. And Steph, <laughs> I love Steph so much. Bran, God put that rock there for a purpose. And um, I'm not so sure you should um move it Yes, Steph with the comic relief. <laughs> and sure enough, Bran moves this rock, and here come the bats! Hello? Look it! It's freaking bats. <laughs> These fake bats made out of hefty bags, like... <laughs> Just pop through like a t-shirt cannon. Oh my god. Real quick, Chunk is still crying telling his life story to the Fratellis, giving the other guys time. And he tells this story about how he made fake vomit and dumped it over the balcony at a movie theater. (laughs) And everyone started getting sick all over each other and it was the worst thing he'd ever done. Like that family guy gag where they all barf. It's the same situation. (laughs) Hit puree. (laughs) Oh no, they're going to puree his hand. And this is where the bats from the cavern fly up through the fireplace and, like, completely disrupt the whole situation. Guys, we've happened upon my favorite scene. Oh, the wishing well scene. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Because they come, the Goonies come up on this cavern where there's like a open, like they can see daylight or rather nighttime because it's nighttime now. Yeah. But they can see the outside. It's beaming down into this cavern and there's water dripping down and there's all this shiny stuff everywhere. And for a hot second, they think they found the rich stuff. They peek through the waterfall and they're like, oh, it's gold and silver, all of it. Mouth is like grabbing these handful of coins, like trying to assess how old they are. Hey, Mouth, what year was that map made? Oh, I don't know. Probably a couple hundred years before uh, President Lincoln, George Washington, uh, Martin Sheen. Martin Martin Sheen. Sheen, that's President Kennedy, you idiot! Well, same difference. I mean, he played Kennedy once. Oh, that's 
That's really smart. I'm glad to know you're using your brain. Yeah, well, at least I have a brain. So stupid, Mouth. Oh, yeah? Yes. Shut up. I love Steph. <laughs> they are, in fact, in a wishing well. And I, I love that Steph is the one that makes the point. We can't do this. We can't take this money. We can't take all of these things away. This is somebody else's wish. This is somebody else's dream. And I'm like, Steph. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Not to mention. That's this... exactly what the Perkins are trying to do to them. Oh, yeah, you're right. You're right. And like, listen, as much as they could fit in their pockets, it wouldn't be enough. You know what I'm saying? And like, we cut to the surface world to Troy and a couple of his buddies standing over this wishing well. And like, he's tossing coins in. Hey, Troy. How far you got with Andy? All the way, buddy. <laughs> you guys are so immature. Why don't you grow up? Come on, tell us. Really? I put it this way. I didn't make it with her yet. And I stress yet. <laughs> He's tossing coins into this well, and Bran is like, holy shit, there's people up there. And then the coin comes back out of the well and lands in Troy's hand, and he's like, what the fuck? Andy! <laughs> Is that you? Yes, Troy, it's me. We're stuck down here. Please send down the fuck in the rope. What the hell are you doing at the bottom of a well? Don't ask me to make questions. We're stuck. Just send down the fucking. Come on. <laughs> oh, See, great. guys. Wishes do come true. <laughs> so Troy and his buddies send the bucket down, and, like, Everybody in the cavern is ready to go up and, like, to end this whole adventure. And Mikey's like, hold on, hold on, hold on. He says, you know, it's our time down here. We need to let our parents do what they need to do up there. But we have to give ourselves this chance because we made it farther than anyone has. Look how far we've come. We got a chance. Chance at what, Mikey? Getting killed? Look, if we keep going, someone's really going to get hurt. Maybe dead. Besides, we gotta get to the police. Maybe Chunk already got to the police. Maybe Chunk is dead. Don't say that. Never say that. Goonies never say die. I'm literally crying, Ross. Like, it's such an inspirational moment. (laughs) It's so cute. It's so endearing. When they do send the bucket back up, it's got Andy's Letterman sweater on it. Yeah, it's Troy's sweater. He gave her his sweater. Oh, that's right. That's right. And she's like, fuck you. Here's your sweater back. (laughs) And here's the famous... Andy! You goonie! Meanwhile, back at the restaurant, the Fratellis have put Chunk in with Sloth. Um, and you know, I think Chunk and Sloth are starting to get along a little bit. Yes, it is terrifying. He is a child, he's been kidnapped. Sloth himself is also childlike. Mm hmm. They share a love of food, Chunk and Sloth. <laughs> they both like baby Ruth. They do. Ah! Ah! You smell like Chunk is the first person to not abuse him. So like they're kind of friends now. No, he kind of likes Chunk. Chunk doesn't really know how he feels yet. Oh man, you smell like fizzed. 
Oh, not the copper bones, triple stones, and all that business. Oh, yeah. We've come to the skeleton key part. That You remember the skull that they found next to Chester Cobble- Copperpot's body? <laughs> I keep doing it. I keep wanting to call him Cobblepot. That's right. And, like, there's this spot on the wall where they have to put the key in around the correct group of holes and turn it counterclockwise, according to a clue on the map, right? Westward. Westward, yeah, Mm -hmm. counterclockwise. And so they find the correct group of three stones and they turn it, but then a booby trap triggers. It, like, closes on Mikey's wrist. Yeah. And, like, it's it's actually kind of akin to the pulley system that opens the gate. Ah! What the hell is that? The cannonball coming around their heads to drop on the boys. Yeah, and like the floor falls away and Data falls and is almost impaled. Narrowly saves himself with his pinchers apparel. The chattering teeth with, on the spring. This is just patently ridiculous, but it's a movie, so we're going to go with it. Yeah. <laughs> He tells the guys that he's in another room. He found the next passage. And I'm like, my God. Yeah. It's data that finds all the next passages. No, here's the thing, bud. This is as good a time as any to point this out. But when you look at this cast of kids down here in the tunnels... If you take one kid out of this equation, the whole thing falls apart. Nobody would have survived. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, exactly. Like, Mouth obviously is translating the map. He speaks Spanish. Data is saving himself and others with all the little gadgets. Mm -hmm. Steph is just funny. I don't care if she really has nothing to contribute to this. I don't give a fuck. And Bran is obviously a smart, older guy. And Mikey, Mikey's their leader. Oh, the heart. He is the heart. He's the heart. You're the heart, Mike. Yeah. Hey. Yeah. (laughs) That's not an accident. I'm telling you. A quick little meanwhile up on the surface, Chunk tries to tell the sheriff what's going on, but Chunk has always had a lot of stories, you know, about how the Iranians took over all the gas stations in Astoria. He's constantly, like, prank-calling the cops with some bullshit that he thinks he (laughs) saw that one time when they reference gremlins. Yeah. Just like that last prank about all those little creatures that multiply when you throw water on them. Lawrence? Yeah, no, I love that part. Sloth is getting into the hole, into the tunnel. He's like, okay, let's go down here now. (laughs) Chunk follows him and yanks the cord out of the phone, so the sheriff's disconnected. And so now Chunk is going to follow Sloth down into the tunnels after the Fratellis and the Goonies. We've got the Goonies in first place. We've got the Fratellis (laughs) following them. And then we've got Sloth and Chunk following the Fratellis. Fratelli and Co. (laughs) Fratelli and Co. So now it's time to pee and make out. Okay, yeah, Um, this is where we got to talk about the kissing bit, right? Because obviously this whole time, 
Andy has been drooling over Brand. Mm-hmm. She wants she to be really wants some necking time. She wants to be Brand's gal. And Steph, Steph could not be more pissed off that this is happening right now. She's like, this is not the time or place. Please don't do this in front of me. Uh-huh. She doesn't say that part, but it's what she's saying in my head. As a child, I'm sorry. As a little boy, this would make me feel so much, and I don't know why. And it's like I wanted to be Mikey. I just wanted to be kissing Carrie Green. Yeah. You know? It's okay. So here's what happens. Like all the boys are peeing. Andy is shouting for Brand so that he will come to her rescue. And he Brand looks at Mikey and he's like, Would you go see what she's bitching about? He literally says ragging, and I hate that. Uh Uh-huh. Like you're on the rag. Yeah. Like you're on your period. And so Mikey goes into this cavern where Andy is waiting for Brand. Brand? And Andy just reaches out and grabs him by the collar and kisses him full on the mouth. Steph comes into frame with the lantern. To witness it. And we see Mikey's sneakers scraping against the rock. Like, what is happening? And, like, Mikey just wanders away. And Andy comes up to Steph, and Steph's like, Well, you kissed, now tell. Exactly. And Andy, oh my God. There's something weird. What? What is it? Does Bram wear braces? <laughs> Why are you laughing? <laughs> Steph, it was beautiful. <laughs> Next time you kiss him, do it with your eyes open. It's a whole different experience. The way Steph is laughing at her is hysterical. Next time you kiss and do it with your eyes open, it's a whole different experience. She Listen, Steph is so relieved that she didn't kiss Bran. I know, right? I love you, Steph. Nance, this isn't you. Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. Yup. Okay, now we have to cross the log. Yeah, this is where the Fratellis finally catch up to the kids. And in order- Which, how? How? After everything they've come through, how did those three old people- it's a movie. You're right. I'm sorry. You're right. And so to get away from them, the kids have to cross this log. And all the other kids get across. Data is the last kid across. And he's like, wait, guys, wait. I have an idea. Data, oh, hurry up. Don't be a fool. Data, come on. No, Dana, I got a great idea, you guys. Slick shoes. Slick shoes. Are you crazy? Data. He literally clicks a button. And the heels of his Nikes open up. And an oil slick is squirted onto the log behind him. And I'm just like, Data. You're perfect. You're perfect. You little genius. And this then causes the two Fratelli brothers to break their nuts on the log. Oh, yeah. There's lots of nut-breaking shticks. So they can get away, which is perfect. I love that I love that Data flips them off and then <laughs> runs away. Oh. Oh. And guys, now we have arrived at the Bone Piano, and it's fucking sick. It's so funny. You wrote Bone Piano, I wrote Skeleton Organ. Skeleton Organ, Bone Piano, I love them both. (laughs) No, there is a, just a, there is a skeleton in this chamber that is surrounded by, like, organ pipes, and then there are finger bones that serve as the keys to this piano. I would like to think this piano is made up of the bones of One-Eyed Willie's mutineers. Ooh. Yeah. Ross, you might be right. I'm, 
Because bones are technically hollow. They just have marrow in the middle of them, right? Mm -hmm. But after you die, that goes away and... <gasps> yeah. He made an organ from his mutineers. Yeah, he did and made it a booby trap. And... I love the way Mouth is just staring at it. Gnarly. We all feel that way. <laughs> The notes on the back of the map that we witnessed earlier. Yeah, when they were all staring at it in the house back in Astoria, and like you can see the musical staff on the back of that map. This is ridiculous. No, yeah, this is where the musical staff comes back because obviously in order to get through this chamber, they have to play the tune that's written on the back of the map correctly. If they hit too many wrong notes... The map says, you'll be muerte. Yeah, dead. The floor <laughs> literally falls away every time you play a wrong note. And they commission Andy to do this challenge in this part of the maze. Andy, who's had like three piano lessons. And this is nothing like your mother Steinway. So, <laughs> Poor little nervous Andy. She gets up there and she is like struggling through this sheet music. She's like, I'm not Liberace. Don't put this on me. Like, <laughs> I this must this set must have been a bitch to film in. Oh yeah. It all looks so tight. And like just the way that all of these set pieces have to move and then be reset for different takes. I know, I know. And so Andy hits more than a couple wrong notes. It gets to the point where enough of the floor has disappeared that they're all going to go down if she hits one more wrong note. They've got one more shot. They have to play that last note just right. And Andy's so nervous. I can't tell if it's A sharp or if it's a B flat. If you get the wrong note, all B flat. Here's the thing, Ross. A sharp and B flat are the same note. Are they really? Yeah, yeah. She, she never had a chance of killing them. She was always going to get it right. <laughs> if you get the wrong note, we'll all be flat. <laughs> <laughs> Mikey, shut up. And so she gets the note right, guys. The rest of that doorway, it's so fake. I love it. Comes down. I love all the practical fakeness. No, a lot of it does look like a putt-putt golf course. And I'm that's honestly the vibe I want. Like, I want a Goonies putt-putt golf course. Like, I absolutely want that. The next step to going through this treasure map is a water slide. Every single member of the casting crew on this film said this was the funnest part. Of I working bet. on this film. There are so many shots of all these kids whizzing through these water slide tunnels. And like, it's so funny because there's obvious point of view shots yes. in front of the kids as they're screaming, going down this water slide. And I'm like, is the, are they just going down the slide with a cameraman between their legs? I guess, I don't know. Watching them scream their little heads off? They, they literally had a whole day where they shut everything down and let all the cast and crew come in and play in this thing. Oh, that's so nice. Oh my God. I, I On the uh, DVD that we eventually got, they had the cast commentary. Like literally all the cast members did a commentary over the film and they could not shut up about how much fun it was doing that <laughs> water slide. Oh my God. 
And guys, the water slide spits them out of these tinier little caves into this great big, you know, reservoir, you know? It's like a cavern with like, I don't know, four feet of water in it. Richard Donner took extra pains to make sure that none of these kid actors saw this set until it was ready to film. Yeah, he brought them in blindfolded and put them in the water. And that shot where they all look over their shoulders for the very first time, that is the authentic reaction to them seeing One-Eyed Willie's ship for the first time. The Inferno. Yeah. Buried in the side of a cave the way legend told it, baby. true they cannot fucking believe themselves they are jumping around (laughs) i love steph she's she here's the thing all the kids are hugging each other because they made it Mm -hmm. and like steph looks down and she realizes she's hugging mouth and she literally pushes him into the water What I can't believe is that after production wrapped on this, nobody wanted the ship for anything. I know. So most of it ended up being recycled for the Disney Pirates of the Caribbean ride. This was a set. Yeah. This stage is the largest studio stage in America. It's Studio 16 in Burbank, California. Has it been preserved? No. No? No, they've used it for way more things Oh, since okay. Then, but... I was going to say, if the ship ended up in parts of the Caribbean, I doubt it. But you look at this set and you look how big the space they're in is. They've put a whole fucking replica pirate ship in it and the whole lake and the, the cave. Big hook vibes. It's, so, it's the biggest soundstage in America. Like, Steven Spielberg, however much he had control over this, Steven Spielberg projects and their command of a large set are incredible. They all get aboard the ship and a couple booby traps later, Mikey himself is able to discover One-Eyed Willie's personal cabin. Yeah, it's like a secret chamber, right? And One-Eyed Willie himself. (gasps) Yeah, because that's the thing, guys. This chamber, that's where all the rich stuff is being kept in this chamber. Mm -hmm. And it's just like a long banquet table covered in jewels and gold coins and riches. And there are seats around the table and there's skeletons in all of the seats. One-Eyed Willie. Somehow this leads me to believe that One-Eyed Willie killed them all here and then died in his own chair? Yeah. Like, he just, like, killed them all and then sat down and was like, well, that's me done. Hi, Willie. Fuck you. I think I will rob you now. (laughs) (laughs) No, here's the thing. Ross... This scene makes me emotional. Sean Astin is crying in this at the end of this scene, and I don't understand what the feeling is there, but... Here's the thing. It's almost like a religious moment for Mikey. I know, because it's all true and it's all real. It... Imagine if I found Hogwarts when I went to Scotland. Yeah, <laughs> it's the same kind of energy. He can't believe that it's real. He can't believe he's here. He can't believe that he got farther than anybody else who's come looking for this treasure. Hi, Willie. I'm Mike Walsh. You've been expecting me. 
beat you. I got here in one piece. In a way, he feels a kinship with One-Eyed Willie, right? Yeah. Because One-Eyed Willie was a reject, you know, from the museum. Yeah, exactly. Nobody wanted to put One-Eyed Willie stuff in the museum, and he feels like One-Eyed Willie is a reject just like the Goonies are rejects. When he gets up the courage to lift up his eye patch, and we see that Willie never had a left eye socket to begin with from birth. Yeah, so he's also kind of like them in that way. So... That's why they call you One-Eyed Willie. One-Eyed Willie. We had a lot in common, Willie. You know something, Willie? You're the first Goonie. Aw, the first Goonie. Yeah. Oh my goodness. And like, all of a sudden, the light comes up in the scene. And all the kids are standing there with candles from Data's bag. Yeah. Just watching him have this emotional moment. And he's like, How's it going? This is Willie. One eye, Willie. Say hi, Willie. Those are my friends, the Goonies. How long have you guys been standing there? Long enough, Mikey. Long enough. This is where I wrote some of the aspects of this film I feel like are super weak, but they're airbrushed over by the energy this production creates. Yeah. And I just I just love that. Think about what has actually happened here. They are all, technically, minor children. And together, they have managed to track down a famed treasure that was never supposed to exist in the first place. Yep. And It happened just in time for them to save their homes from being demolished. It's It's a miracle. It's it's a miracle. Serendipitous, right? Yeah. Oh, I can't get over it. So they start loading up as much treasure as they can possibly get their hands on. (gasps) You want to stop on this, don't you? I do a little bit. Data starts grabbing at this, you know one tray that's like balanced on a scale full of gold coins and Mikey stops him in his tracks. He's staring at Let's go, load up. Anything you can put in your pocket. Mikey, stop that. What? That's Willie's. Save that for Willie. Anything else? Guys, that is so significant. It will come back in a few minutes. But I, this was my first time noticing that detail on this rewatch. Mm-hmm. And then, like, Mikey goes to another scale, and he takes jewels off that scale, but he also replaces it with the marbles in his marble bag. So that he can put the gold in his marble bag. Yeah. <laughs> Bye-bye marbles. He's like, fuck <laughs> these things. I'm getting gold. But he's leaving his marbles for Willie. And that's actually kind of sweet because his marbles, he loves his marbles. Mikey comes up with this idea to outrun the Fratellis. I got an idea. What is it? What? I saw this on the Hardy Boys once. We can leave a trail of jewels into one cave. Uh Uh-huh. And then we can hide out in another. Uh And when the Fratellis go into that cave, then we can make a run for it. Now that sounds like a great idea. Yo. Outside. Yo. (laughs) I love that. Yo. The Fratellis are here to bother. (laughs) The Fratellis, they're so silly. They've lost all their guns en route. So they're now using these hilarious looking pirate swords to keep the kids in check. They tie them up. And now we're going to make Andy walk the plank. They have to kill all these kids, right? Or they're going to get found out. But here's the thing about killing the kids by making them walk the plank. 
The water is four feet deep. Yep. <laughs> this makes no sense. Absolutely none. It is just for the shtick of being on a pirate ship. Keep oh going, Smarty. Keep going. I can't my Yeah, we'll play pirates. Now walk the plank. Get out on that plank. Say goodbye to your little friend. Mama Fratelli pokes Andy out into the water, and Brand, of course, goes right in after her. <laughs> Two down! Who's next? <laughs> like, Brand actually thinks he's going to save her from four-foot-deep water. Mm-hmm. I hate it. A voice breaks through the cavern. <laughs> A voice of rescue. I... This is amazing. This is my one of my favorite parts of the movie. What is Chunk always saying? Hey, you guys! Hey, you guys, look at this! Yeah! <laughs> and Sloth and Chunk have gotten to know each other, and it just tears through the cavern. Hey, you Anytime I hear that, I feel such peace. <laughs> like I'm safe. Because we already love Sloth. Yes. And Sloth is here to save the day. <laughs> Sloth wearing a pirate's hat with a knife tears into the sail and slides down the sail with the comically fake chunk dummy around his neck. <laughs> yeah. And like he's got a Superman shirt on. I know. It's so sweet. Chunk. <laughs> no. Captain Chunk. <laughs> He releases the kids from their ropes. They run past the Fratellis and all <laughs> jump into the into the water. Because again, the water's four feet deep. And I love that Steph punches Mama in the face before she jumps in. <laughs> I love Steph! <laughs> Literally points like, look! Bam! <laughs> and again, Sloth. Sloth is huge. Sloth is very strong. Yes. And you know, no matter how scary these adults are, he overpowers all of them. Exactly. And like the the the, the boys, the boys, the Fratelli boys. Yeah, Jake and Francis. Jake and Francis have to literally like coax Sloth into this false sense of security mm -hmm. where they make him think that he's playing jump rope. Exactly, yeah. When they're actually planning to tie him up. And like they're going to disorient him and then they're going to run around him and, you know, wrap the rope around him. But but Sloth smells the shit on them almost immediately. Yeah. And he just grabs both their ends of the rope and pulls them towards each other and cracks their skulls. Remember the time we were going to get your teeth fixed and we spent the money on Francis's to pay? I don't wear a hairpiece! When you run past it, you whine <laughs> Mama is the only one left now. Uh-huh. And she almost fakes him out. She really does. She turns on the loving mother routine, which, how... How long do you think it's been since he's seen Mama? I really don't know. Do you think Mama goes down there every day to check on her little boy? No, not at all. She makes them do it. Oh, my God. And then she starts singing him Rockabye Baby. Oh. And when she gets to the part about the cradle falling, <gasps> that triggers Sloth. When the bar breaks, the cradle will fall. Ah, 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 I only dropped you once. Well, maybe twice. 
guys, that's why Sloth looks the way he does. Because Mama Fratelli dropped him more than once! All the kids are in the water, and they watch Sloth pick Mama up and throw her in. <laughs> and they're all cheering and everything, and then Sloth goes in himself. And he swims across to the other bank where the kids are getting out on the other side. Mm -hmm. Brand is in the middle of trying to find a hole. And like, <laughs> yeah, he is. Uh, shut up. Sorry, did you not Did you not remember Brand and Andy sharing their passionate kiss? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, but a hole eventually presents itself. It looks like the rocks are going to fall in on them. Mm -hmm. But Sloth holds the rocks up so that the kids can get out through the tunnel. And... Chunk is so upset. I know. He doesn't want to leave Sloth behind. This is how you know Sloth is a good human being, because he can see the Fratellis are helpless in the water. And yeah. he's going to go save his family, but yeah. make sure they get all out, they all get out first. That's so good. Sloth, we salute Sloth. Sloth! 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 Chunk! we have not mentioned is while everyone was leaving the ship, we've triggered a chain reaction because we know how One-Eyed Willy loves chain reactions. Yeah. Oh my god. This is where the Fratellis have gone back into One-Eyed Willy's cabin and Mama Fratelli goes to take gold from the same tray that Data almost grabbed from. And Mike was like, no, leave that for Willy. That's Willy's. Yeah. And then Mama Fratelli grabs the gold off that tray and it triggers another booby trap. Yeah. What booby trap? A booby trap. Booby trap. Did you see the movie? Raven, let's get out of here. Oh my god. And so now the cave is beginning to collapse. <laughs> oh no. The little animated rocks falling into the artificial water plops. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. And like, as just as the Goonies nearly escape, this gigantic hole is opening in the side of the cavern. Yeah. We get these two cops on four-wheelers, one of which is Richard Donner. Yeah, I knew, yeah, I, I knew that. <laughs> there they are. <laughs> it's M. Goobers. <laughs> Their name is the Goonies. Put some respect on that. The reunion of the families is so great. Oh yeah, because behind cops for whatever reason there's like a whole fleet of journalists ems World, word has gotten out that several kids have gone missing all the parents are there on the beach with them and all the kids are reuniting with their parents like holy shit you would not believe what we have seen in the last eight hours Fun fact, save the Walshes and, like, I think Carrie Green's parents. They're all their real parents. Oh, my God. Like, Chunk's family, that's Jeff Cohen's real family. There's no way they're not exactly. his parents. They brought Chunk Domino's. <laughs> if you ever need to come rescue me from something, please bring Domino's. I sure will. Oh, my God. <laughs> 
Oh, when Data runs into his dad's arms and his dad laughs. Yeah. Oh, and he's like, oh, he, his dad's also a little inventor, opens his coat and a little camera pops out to take a picture of Data. <laughs> but it doesn't work, just like many of Data's inventions. <laughs> and in Cantonese, Data tells his dad, that's okay, daddy, you can't hug a photograph. <laughs> And then his dad says, you are my best invention. <laughs> oh my goodness. I can't stand it. Also, the way they've tried to make Mouth and Steph a thing. Oh, stop. Right here at the end. I'm sorry. That kid is in middle school. You're in high school. I don't know what <laughs> that is supposed to be about. You're obviously just trying to ignore the sapphic vibes rolling off of Steph. No. Richard Donner, I see you. <laughs> I see you, dick. No, yeah. Oh, my God. And so eventually, the Fratellis, including Sloth, come up on the beach, right? Mm -hmm. And the cops are immediately descending on them. And, of course, they try to lump Sloth in with the Fratellis because he's big and he's scary looking. Mm -hmm. And immediately Chunk's like, hold on, hold on, hold on. <laughs> yeah, no. Don't you fucking dare. That is my best friend right there. These are the bad guys. He saved us. Haul these fucks away. And yeah. the Fratellis get hauled away and... Oh, Chunk. Yeah. <laughs> Do we want to talk about this? Sloth. You're going to live with me now. I'm going to take care of you. Because I love you. I love you, Chunk. Oh, I love you, Sloth. You're going to live with me now. <laughs> huh? I'm going to take care of you. That? Because I love you. That, no, listen. <laughs> it's very sweet that Chunk, completely independently of his parents, offers Sloth a home, right? Yeah. That is very nice. But he did not ask his family. <laughs> he did not ask them at all. I don't mean to reduce Sloth, but it's like he's trying to bring a stray dog home. And all I can think about is that episode of Bob's Burgers that makes fun of this whole movie when... Louise wants to take the taffy monster home with her. Sloth, you're gonna Sloth, you're gonna live with me now. And I hear Linda's voice. You're not taking that filthy thing home. <laughs> taffy butt. You have a taffy butt. There's treasure in that butt. Speaking of treasure in the butt. We, oh my god. Okay. We have to get to the Deus Ex Marbles. For whatever reason, the Perkinses are here. Like we gotta get the we gotta get your signature for the foreclosure. We'll follow you anywhere, even to Haystack fucking rock. And <laughs> Walsh, it's over. Sign these papers. They're all about to lose their homes. There's 50 more houses to tear down after yours. <gasps> it's so awful. And like this whole time, Rosalita has had Mikey's jacket in her hands, right? Mm -hmm. And she's going through the pockets and finds his marble bag. I don't know why she did this. Just for the plot, I guess. Yeah. But then she like opens the marble bag and looks inside of it. <gasps> Yeah, the, 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 the Latina gas. Yeah. Ay, Dios mío de mi vida. Ay, Dios mío de mi vida. Ave María Purísima, mira nomás. Ay. What's 
Rosalita runs over to Irene, yanks her hand out, and pours a handful of One-Eyed Willie's jewels into her hand. Hales made me bust the way they went. Look at those fake-ass gems. The plastic gems that you get out of a coin thing, yeah. But you're right. It's a whole handful. Uncut gems in those sizes? Dad, it's my marble bag. The fertility forgot to check it. See, I emptied out the marbles and I put the jewels in. We don't have to leave the goondah. There'll be no more signing today or ever again. Uh, just watching that foreclosure go to pieces in the air. I'm like, it's, yes! The way he throws it up in the air and everybody cheers. When the journalists run up to the kids and start asking them questions, <laughs> you'll notice Data mentions the octopus. Did you see an octopus anywhere in that film? No, no. because it's a deleted scene. And thank you, Dick, for not putting us through that. <laughs> Because when they first get into the water in front of the ship, there's supposedly a big octopus in there. Oh, who's got time for the octopus? I've seen footage of the puppet. It's silly. (laughs) (laughs) It's big silly. Thanks for sparing us that, Dick. But that same octopus is in the Goonies Are Good Enough uh, music video. (laughs) How very, very camp of them. The sheriff is trying to break up the hullabaloo. And it's like, all right, all right, all right, that's enough. And then, like, in the distance, he just stops. Holy Mary, Mother of God. Look at that. Ladies and gentlemen, we're at Cauldron Point at what appears to be a pirate ship. It's One-Eyed Willie's ship! It's the inferno. Because remember, the cave was falling in as they were leaving, and it created a hole in the side of the cave big enough for, for that th- ship to drift out. What? Why? How? What does any of that mean? How did the ship just leave? Willie made it. Willie made it? Willie made it. Okay. Willie made it get away. Willie always gets away. It's kind of wild, right? Yeah. Because that's all the evidence of their adventures together. It's currently sailing out into the Pacific Northwest. (laughs) And, like, the adults are just standing there on the shore and staring at it. And, like, they have to believe them. Yeah, I know. But it's they could never appreciate what they've been through. And it's just... That is the moment you understand that it was never about the rich stuff. Yeah, they probably got enough rich stuff to save their homes, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. But it, again, this has been joked about in pop culture since, but it was always about the adventure. Exactly, exactly. It, the treasure is the adventure together. Oh, Willie. perfect final shot of the ship sailing away and like I love the commentary when the credits start like the amount of people that ask me if we actually did that <laughs> built a ship and then set it loose and then one of the producers was like well yeah no the ghost guard would keep setting it on fire and putting it out like <laughs> guys that's it it's the Goonies we did the Goonies 
Thank you for finally letting me do this movie. Well, you didn't let me. It's birthday month. Yeah, no, I couldn't have said no. I but got to choose. I've also been wanting to do this movie for a really long time, so I am glad that we got to do it. Oh my god, guys, that movie's just part of us. It's just part of us, and I'm so glad that we've got it out of the way now. It's part of so many of us. It's iconic. It is iconic. Name another movie that's just like it. You really can't. No. You really can't. It's just the way it... I love the way <laughs> this movie makes me feel. There, I said it. I said it again. Well, like, listen, it's kind of got Matilda vibes about it, where in the story itself, all the adults are stupid, and the kids are the ones that bring about real change. Exactly, exactly. They go on this brilliant adventure together, and by the end of it, they're all stronger and richer for the whole experience. Sometimes you go on an adventure together, sometimes you get trapped in it. Sorry, Andy. <laughs> Sorry, Steph. No, Andy and Steph really did get the raw deal here. Yeah. There's not a single line from that movie that's not quotable. I know. And just, it's so iconic that it's recognizable throughout our pop culture. I, I love that we've gotten to see the entire impact that it's had I know. on America. Like, Stranger Things, again, one of the most successful series of all time. And it relies on movies like The Goonies to build such a rich world of pop culture relatability, adventure, and narrative brilliance. Indeed, indeed. Look at you. Look, this is my selection. You're the one being all eloquent over here. Like, I damn. Mean, because, like, from the moment Sean Astin showed up in Stranger Things, yeah, I was like, I see what you're doing. I see what you're doing. And then the Duffer Brothers hurt me with it. But <laughs> one last upsetting thing. Upsetting? This movie will be 40 in three years. Not the dry heaving, not the dry heaving. Oh my god! Guys, main feed, thanks for listening as always. Oh my goodness, but next week. Oh, oh, I really like the way next week's selection makes me feel. Oh, hit me with I'm it. I'm doing it. I can't, I'm sorry, I'm doing it. I know you are. And you can't say no. I really can't. Folks, next week we will be covering the 2012 teen drama, The Perks of Being a Wallflower. Oh. I know. Get ready to unpack it all. No. Unpack it all. It's a good book. It's a good movie. I resent the fact that I'm going to have to talk about Ezra Miller. Yeah, I know. We have to talk about the evil day in our midst. <laughs> the evil deity in our midst. Oh my God. Uh, look out for that next week, guys. In the meantime, you can go follow us on Twitter at Kick and Stream. K-I-C-K-N-S-T-R-E-A-M. You can write the show at Kicking and Streaming Podcast at gmail.com. That's with an and, not an ampersand. And and don't forget, folks, please be practicing the three R's. Rate, review, retweet. Rate, review, retweet, folks. We want everyone to come and join this little watch party. We also need people to come join our little Patreon watch party. Become a little Onion contributor at the $5 level. You'll be so glad that you did. More quality content coming to you from Kicking and Streaming. Until then, I'm Carrie. I'm Ross. And as always, sorry, sorry Mom. Mom.